On this episode, we're joined by the founder of the Gotham Hoops Invitational, Ray Ann Zelowitz. Let's do it. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of the Greenlight Podcast. It's been a couple weeks. We miss you. Uh, we are joined right away with the founder of Gotham Hoops, Ray Anzelowitz. Welcome to Long Island City. Appreciate you coming out. It's me, Ian, and Ray, and Harvey. We're all hanging out, ready to talk some hoops. Um, Ray, what's happening, man? Hey, everything's going well, man. Thank, thank you guys for having me. Um, so for people who don't know... Uh, what Gotham Hoops is and, and uh, you know, your story and, and why and how you created it, here you go. Of give, course. Give them the story. <laughs> um, Gotham Hoops uh, was initiated in 2009. Uh, I had just turned 16. I was playing varsity basketball for Seaford High School out in Long Island at the time. Uh, nice. But I also realized that for every five-star recruit, the city uh, was training out each year, there was a backup that wasn't receiving any sort of notoriety. And as crazy as it is, this is before the social media phase, before uh, highlights were coming out the wazoo. And I took it upon myself to build a platform for those undervalued, under-recruited uh, prospects throughout the New York metro areas. Uh, there, there goes GothamHoops.com. Uh, fast forward a few years after following the careers of some of these prep standouts, some of which that uh, were fortunate enough to uh, make the MBA or continue their professional career abroad. Um, I also saw that a lot of guys from the area weren't giving, weren't being given the opportunity to showcase themselves. So I took it upon myself once again to develop the Gotham Hoops Invitational, which we'll, we'll dive into a little bit later. But uh, essentially, it's a platform for men's college seniors to earn notoriety from pro scouts from around the world. And uh, I've also been been fortunate enough to to network with both amateur and professional athletes, coaches, scouts, front office executives uh, worldwide. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's come full circle with Gotham Hoops becoming a sports marketing agency for really for student athletes of, of all ages. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I think um, nowadays more than ever, people see a hole and instead of just like questioning it, they're just like, I'm going to fill it. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Which is awesome. Sure. So shout out to you. It's, it's big time. Thank you. Um, and I know it's been crazy well received, and, and we'll talk about um, you know where guys have ended up and yep. the opportunities that they've been given. But I know the recent one is is it Jalen Harris? What is it? Jalen Morris? Jalen Morris, yes. who was a D two guy and Correct. made it to the league. Made I mean, it to how the league. Amazing is that? Uh, it's remarkable. I mean, granted, I'm biased, biased, biased because because the Gotham Hoops Invitational was served as a stepping stone in one way or another from his collegiate career on the uh, on his way to the G League and then eventually signing a multi year deal with. The Atlanta Hawks, but it's just heartwarming to think that a local guy going from a, really a, a small Division II program where he averaged uh, 19.9 points a game and then ends up with the Atlanta Hawks uh, no less than, uh, than a year later. It's just remarkable. What school did he play for? He went to Malloy College from oh, the yeah. East Coast Conference out in Long Island. Look at nice. that. Yeah, man. That's, uh, we, <clears throat> I mean, we certainly like to say it now, especially just because of like you said, the rise of social media and YouTube, like if you're good enough, you'll get seen. But there are certainly kids who fall through the cracks. And he 
did without mm-hmm. this. You know what I mean? Like he would have yep. fallen through the cracks. Probably it's kind of weird to say yeah. like, but without some showcase or an opportunity, like who knows? You know what I mean? Like an NBA exec is not going to like go to the D2 school mm-hmm. of Long Island to go find a kid. You know, mm-hmm. they just don't have that time. Uh, you're you're hundred percent correct. And I mean, Gotham Hoop started with the intention of finding those diamonds in the roughs and uh, essentially as a um, college scouting service. So I would network, as I mentioned, with college coaches and just feed them as much as many evaluations uh, as I could and then just transition onto the, the college to, to pro scene. And uh, the fact that it's just served as a platform for, for guys such as Jalen Morris to help further his career and just open doors for himself, uh, that's really all I could ask for. And uh, I'm, I'm super proud of him. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so let's dive into this Saturday. This yep. is the fifth year? Yep, fifth year. Fifth year of the Gotham Invitational, which is awesome. Um, do you want to talk about who's coming? Absolutely, I, w- I would love to. So again, so this is the fifth annual Gotham Hoops Invitational hitting Holy Cross High School in Flushing, Queens on Saturday, April 21st. We will have 36 top men's college basketball seniors from throughout the country. Uh, these guys include Mike Williams from, from, uh, from Rutgers, uh, Philip Carr, Morgan State, uh, Damon Lynn, NJIT, Zane Wardenman, Manhattan, uh, Junior Santel, uh, Stony Brook, and we're working on a few others. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited that with, with all the commitments we have so far, but definitely expect a, another high-level player or two to sneak in uh, before Saturday. Yeah, for sure. And then, so explain how it works. So these, you, you form the teams, they come out, they play a couple of games, there's an all-star game, and then do they get a chance to talk to any of the mm-hmm. you know scouts or anybody mm-hmm. there? Absolutely. So it's really on our attending agents, coaches, and scouts to – to take it upon themselves yeah, and go exactly uh, yeah, I mean no, it's hustle time. Yep, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say the least so really I just like to create the platform for these yeah. players to interact and be seen uh, before these uh, professional decision makers and uh, I mean we've been fortunate enough to have NBA scouts of course uh, evaluators from FIBA teams and leagues around the world and uh, as well as agents uh, and it's it's been working out so far and I'm just I'm, I'm thrilled to to see it last uh, up until five years yeah, man. That's awesome. I'll, uh, I'll definitely be there. I know Ian's going to be in Indy? Uh, Dallas is weekend. Dallas. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. The but, kids uh, might, be there, might be playing in, in a few years. Yeah, I, exactly. hope so. yeah, I hope so. I hope so. From now, they'll be there. Um, before we get – so a couple things we're going to cover. We're, we'll go over, you know, the lottery and, and, and some sleepers that, that you have identified in this year's draft. We'll, we're going to review the season and, and what we think about Villanova. Um, but Villanova – recruiting and, mm-hmm. and this is perfect like you know you guys showcase seniors and especially the last 10 years mm-hmm. or so there's been you know first Kentucky crushed it and mm-hmm. now there's this there's just this story that Duke is now crushing it but really there's like five to six schools that get all of the same kids Correct. over and over it's not just Duke um I think we have the shortest obviously shortest attention span but the shortest memory in history because as soon as a one and done f- team fails yep. everyone is very quick mm-hmm. to point out that it failed in 2015 duke won mm-hmm. with one and duns and no one remembers when villanova won all these seniors now were freshmen and sophomores yeah. so like they did it with them as well now did they have seniors of, of course. course but we're just like quick to just point it's like whatever makes sense for this year's storyline that's what we run with um i certainly seniors matter mm-hmm. especially in the tournament um, 
experience matters. And I just, I just don't think it, it goes one way or the other. Like you can do both. Um, you just kind of pick your model and go with it. Do you have any thoughts on like where teams should go? I mean, there's now there's this big story of like Villanova's past uh, last five years of recruiting classes were all in the thirties and it's like, Oh my God, look like this is how you win now. It's like, well, just a couple years ago, that's not how you want You know? So I, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that and like where you think it'll go. And if then, you know, if we get rid of the one and done rule, you know, what may change that, which we, I think we all agree mm-hmm. needs to go. Absolutely. Uh, that was a long question slash <laughs> statement, so feel free to respond to however you feel. No worries. Well, to, to hit your point about Villanova and recruiting and just past championships, I truly believe that Coach Jay Wright and his staff at Villanova are now developing the blueprint on how to be successful in college basketball, uh, both on and off the court from recruiting to on-court performance. And I say that because, yes, Coach Calipari and Kentucky won. Uh, Krzyzewski has has won several, but Mm. won considerably in the past few years utilizing that quote-unquote one-and-done platform. Uh, But to win two in uh, in the past three years and have a pretty solid team a year ago and anything can happen in the tournament, but uh, Coach Wright and his staff are doing a heck of a job recruiting and implementing schemes and and just making it work on the court they they play for one another not for themselves and it's so tough to do that with first-year guys especially when you're the top recruit in the country or or in your state and you're nationally known and you come in with that ego and it, it takes time from being the top dog on your high school team to learning how to play with other top dogs on the college team now. Mm-hmm. But again, Coach Wright and his staff are just implementing the right schemes and they're getting the right guys and it's proven. So uh, no matter what happens with or whoever else may, may or may not leave off from Villanova, they're heading in the right direction. That's apparent. And I truly believe that, that they're now writing the blueprint on how to be successful in college basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, like, Ian's a big Virginia guy, I'm a Duke guy, don't kill me for that, but um, there's cer- there's something to be said for team, and Virginia does it, like, Tony Bennett came in and was like, I'm recruiting for a profile, for a, for a type of kid, yeah. I don't care where he, ran- I don't care if he's not ranked, <laughs> I don't care if he's a tramp, it doesn't matter, like, this kid fits my program, that's it, and I think Villanova certainly does that, Um I was the last thing on this that I'll say is I was listening to um, JJ Reddick's podcast mm-hmm. and he had two thoughts. He said one, he didn't think that Coach K is necessarily changing his recruiting strategy. He's like, it's just different. Like Christian Leitner would have been a one and done. Grant mm-hmm. Hill would have been a one and done. Yeah. Like all the guys that he was previous, Chris Duhon, all these guys would have left. And like mm-hmm. it just happened slower. Like Elton Brand was the first, and he left after a sophomore year, and that was when it was like mm-hmm. you don't leave. And, and there was, like, bad blood there. Um, Reddick's comment was, like, it's just different to root for Duke now because they were always the guys who had seniors and they were there for four years and they had this storyline the whole time. Um, so his comments kind of, like, uh, it made sense. Like, yeah, of course Leitner would be a one-and-done mm-hmm. right now. Like, he came in and dominated his freshman year mm-hmm. and he gone. So it's I think it's just different. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a completely different I agree. Time. My stance on it, and when you look at it, I think, number one – even more so than ever, teams are being judged in March than they are throughout the course of the season. Because if you look at, 
You have two polar opposites in Kentucky back in which year were they undefeated um, all the way to the end? Was that was probably I was in. Wait, so last year I went to the final four, 13 or fourteen. Maybe. Something, something okay. around there. Maybe fit in. Kentucky team, that was comprised of basically all freshmen and the Harrison twins. And you have this Virginia team that then just rolled through the ACC in the regular season this year. That was quite the opposite. There was not a ton of heralded guys. Um, but then, at the end of the day, neither of those teams won a national title. And you've got now, obviously, Villanova with two with a strong mix. Obviously, you have teams... I think the thing that Jay Wright's done the best of is literally meshing it all together. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I think, especially you as a Duke fan, not that I don't think Duke could have won the national championship if they have a couple balls, but if you have a true point guard, senior leader type that, that you can yeah. fill in and maybe yeah. take Duval off the ball or you have a guy that can shoot as more of a threat, mm-hmm. if you're able to mold that together, it's like maybe that one missing piece is what it did. And you look at like Villanova, it's like if they don't have Dante DiVincenzo mm-hmm. coming off the bench – do they get that spark to turn around as quickly against Michigan? Now, I think, hands down, they absolutely blew Michigan out of the gym. They deserve <laughs> to win the national championship. Yeah. But that's one small piece that I think you maybe when you're looking at a team, you're building a team that you don't necessarily account for. Same as Virginia with um, DeAndre Hunter. So yep. DeAndre Hunter was like that X factor they had come off the bench that could, could match up all, with anybody. Yeah. He could shoot, he could go in the paint. Jay Wright has done a job of, even though they only played like seven, eight yep. guys, but they have guys that fit each one of those roles Absolutely. and they can slide in and piece all those things together. Yep. Yeah. They're super easy to watch. Their practices, I, I wish like everyone could watch their practices. Mm-hmm. They just keep it stupid simple. Mm-hmm. Um, they barely run anything. It's just like take what, take what the defense gives you yep. and everyone can shoot, dribble, and pass. So they're impossible to guard. It's, it's awesome to watch. I'm miserable to try and scheme against, I'm sure. <laughs> I would never want to do that. Um, all right, so let's move into the draft. So I know you had some sleepers. I'll I'll, I'll go. Th- this is one list. Uh, they're all different, but we'll go through just the lottery for now, and then we'll go through some sleepers that you had. So right now on this list, they have DeAndre Ayton going first, Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley, Michael Porter Jr., which is just insane to me. I get it, but it's like, how could he go fourth? And he only played three games or whatever it was. Uh, Muhammad Bamba, Colin Sexton. Jaron Jackson Jr., Wendell Carter, who just committed, I, I shed a tear, Trey Young, Mikal Bridges, Miles Bridges, Kyrie Thomas, Kevin Knox, Shea, I, I always mess up his second name, like Gagarius Alexander, the Gilgis, Kentucky bro, it's just, uh, just I mess Gilgis. it up every time, and Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. So that's the top 15. Do we agree? Do we disagree? I mean, anyone we wanted to talk about in particular? Like, I think Trey Young is going to be perfect for the NBA. There's, I mean... There's no hand checking. He's gonna come mm-hmm. off screens free and launch from forty. Um, I think, I, of course, he's not. I don't think he'll be like Steph Curry esque, but I think like he could at least come off the bench and mm-hmm. like fuel some, like give you a little spark. And, and he's a threat from deep. Like, yeah, maybe he has to get a little bigger. Sure, but do you think he'll be all right? I do. I mean, uh, if you can put the ball in the bucket, the sport's gonna take you a long way. Yeah. But but with that said, I think the biggest learning curve for a guy like Trey Young among a lot of these these this in, uh, in, incoming rookie class is just how will you play defensively mm-hmm. and of course if you look at the top of that of that mock draft uh, DeAndre Aiden should have a fairly uh, I won't say easy but it'll be it'll be a easier adjustment, to, to sure. say the least whereas I mean <laughs> I'll I say this next to being a heart surgeon I feel that 
being a starting point guard in the NBA is the toughest job in the world because look at these guys nowadays. I mean, you Crazy. you want to talk about if you were looking back at Leighton or Duhon and or other yeah, yeah. past past eras. I mean, it it was different. It was drastically different whether from the college to pros. But these these are no longer your six foot six one point pass first point guard. These are six three six four strong as like ball. Ben Simmons. Like or if it's 100%. even worse, it's like you got to guard one of these. Dudes. <laughs> so so a guy like that, yes, he'll be able to come off screens and hoist from uh, as soon as he passes over half court. But he'll, he may struggle to to guard some of these guys. And granted, yeah. he, he may be in that second rotation. But even then, I mean, look at a guy like Terry Rozier and yeah. and, and, and and what who he's doing. That? Yeah, like who saw that one coming? Like, uh, did we think he'd be solid? I, well, any, sure, anyone but. in the Celtics front office, I bet you. Which is why, yes. which is why he's They're he's genius. still, which is why he's still on the team, and he's never been a trade bait. They've even considered moving Marcus Smart before moving a guy like Terry Rozier, which to the to the general public may seem like a little crazy, crazy but but, but they they knew they knew something that shoot maybe the rest of the NBA didn't know that God forbid something happens with Kyrie. And and unfortunately, we it did. Yep. We, we we got the next best guy. I remember, and yeah. people looked at the Celtics like crazy because they thought they took they had remember they had two first yes, round picks yes, in that draft. Yes, they took this. Rozier first and then took R.J. Hunter. And everyone mm-hmm. thought at least if they're going to do that, yeah, it'd be like R.J. Hunter first. Nope. They ended up getting him. R.J. Hunter's out of the league, yep. mm-hmm. and now look at Terry Rozier is and like taking press conferences after a playoff game. Yep. And props to them. Yep. And with that said, it's it's super tough nowadays because you have such a small sample size. Just going back to our one and done conversation, where where the the time that these that these GMs and decision makers have to watch film on, on prospective uh, draft picks is, is is so few compared to years ago when we'd have two, three, four years of a film to analyze and, and a ton of scouting reports. But uh, you're really just shoot. I, I truly believe after the first maybe half dozen, if not four or five picks, it's it's really a guess, which, yeah, yeah. which is unfortunate. And nowadays, a lot of these guys, you can't even insert them into the starting lineup because what whether it be their measurables or they're not quick enough, they're not they're not strong enough, or they just need more time to, to develop as a ball player. Yep. I think the three that I have no idea on or or is one Muhammad Bamba. I think defensively and athletically he's there. I think he's ton of work to do mm-hmm. offensively, of course. Um, but his build is just like you can't not take a chance mm-hmm. on him. Um, I just know that there's been so many of those yep. that kind of flame out after five years. So I think that's to your point, like when they do all these interviews, like what kind of information are they getting out of him? Do they think he's like in it for the right reasons? All that type of stuff. Um, the other one that confuses me is Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. I like him. I just I, I'm not him and Jaron Jackson Jr. right next to each other. I was never sold on Jaron Jackson mm-hmm. Jr. because I think his shot he's not gonna be able to get it off in the NBA. It's just so weird. Um, and I just thought he was just like this in between weird player, mm-hmm. which could actually bode good for him because like those players kind of tend to be like hard to guard. Mm-hmm. I just he's just one of those guys. I'm just like, what does he do? so well mm-hmm. that gets him draft. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I'm, I'm with you completely on Jaron Jackson yeah. and it, whether it's a lack of watching Michigan State throughout the year, but yeah. see, seeing them enough. But obviously, Miles Bridges is the leader of that team yeah. and, uh, and they terrific guard play and even, even a couple of their, their big men uh, uh, we're we're huge down the stretch, but uh, I'm with you. The, it doesn't seem like there's there's one thing that he does exceptionally well. But he's just one of those uh, highly touted high school recruits that went yeah. to the A big really program, yep. and he's he's big and strong and athletic. But but as a NBA 
uh, or for for a player development standpoint for an NBA franchise, you need to work with him considerably. And it's it's almost disappointing that that's the type of guy you're selecting with a not only first round but with a lottery. And uh, let you chime in, Ian, but I, I may have to disagree with you on on Colin Sexton. You like him? I'm right. a, I'm, I'm a like fan. Him. I'm probably I'm gonna break the tie with that. I'm with him. As so well. you're on. Yeah. Okay. I've I've. I think obviously I think his shot will get there. He's the type of guy, and I'm not. I don't want to compare him to Donovan Mitchell, but this kind of ties my point into both things. At this point, I think the guys obviously outside maybe the top three picks, they're almost like surefire mm-hmm. guys. The guys they're willing to buy into player development are the guys that are going to separate themselves in that like five to like fifteen range. If you look, Donovan Mitchell is like first year at Louisville. Shot like I think the number something crazy like he only shot like twenty five percent from three his mm-hmm. freshman year, and now this dude just broke the record for most threes in a season um, by a rookie. And so if you can get a guy now, Jaron Jackson, is that I didn't watch Michigan State enough, and I know there's a lot of raw talent there. If he buys in and and is uh, willing to work and willing to develop his skills, great. Like. He can be an all-talent. I think Colin Sexton is a guy that's going to keep working, especially now that people are knocking him more. Because he got to a point where it's like, all right, Colin Sexton might be the first point guard Mm -hmm. to go um, above Trey Young. And then he fell off. He he slid, had some injury problems. But I think he's the type of guy that's, like, just going to put his head down. And, like, he's such a fiery dude. And he, like, he's not going to take no for an answer. He's going to be a hell of a competitor. And so I'm on that side of it. I think he has a ton of, ton of, ton of physical talent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I mean, it could be, it could but be he, a steal at of where they're projecting. If he goes outside the top ten, I, th- I think he's he could be where it's such a deep. I think first few picks that if you can get him at like eleven or twelve, one of those teams in that range, yeah, it could it could be a huge, uh, a huge pick for him. I just think he's six two. His jumper isn't there yet, mm-hmm. which it like you're gonna get there. Mm-hmm. Like look what look what the Philly the, the 76ers has done with Fultz. Like yep. no matter what, they'll figure out a way mm-hmm. to do it. So I have the utmost confidence in every single NBA player development office. Um, the other thing too is like his assist to turnover ratio was pretty bad. It was under two to one. That if you're gonna be a point, like that's mm-hmm. gotta be way better. Um, I. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I just like was I, like never sold. I was mm-hmm. just kind of like. Could he just be like another one of those guards that kind of floats? I, I don't know. It's about um, a point, but one last thing that you're yes. forgetting. What other point guard played three on five against... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was insane. Um, all right, so what uh, what sleepers you got for us? Who you, what, are you, what are you thinking? And it's 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 ironic speaking to a, to a Dookie, but... Uh, Ooh, here we go. Gary Trent Jr. Okay, so... I I'm not I didn't mean to cut you. The only thing I'll say is I'm I feel the same way I feel about Sexton as Gary Trent. Interesting. Oh, not only was is he the uh, top guy entering the draft from his college program, but he may not even be second or third, depending on how you feel about Carter and Duvall. Yeah. And but that's a that's a different story. But uh, I th- I'm confident it's going to work out for for Gary Trent Jr. because at the end of the day he's. The expectations from being a, even a top five to lottery to being outside the lottery just different. Uh, granted, you need to get that first round selection. You need to hear uh, your name called because it's guaranteed. Uh, you get you get drafted in the second round. God bless you. I'm sure you've been working for that all your life, but uh, you still need to kick butt in summer league to, to even have a shot to get on that roster. But yep. anyway, Trent Jr. shouldn't have that issue. But he'll get he'll he'll go somewhere. He'll be effective off the bench, I believe, immediately because similar to to Trey Young and certainly Trent Jr. is, is a uh, is bigger than him. He can shoot it. 
Uh, yep. And, uh, yeah. and that will translate almost in, you play. instantly. Yeah. Instantly. You you figure out the rest. He's not a small guy by any no, means. Uh, I, I mean, Solid. please correct me, but I mean, I believe his dad is pro. pro Ohio University. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Jack of the Mac. That's what so, we're so we love we love the trends. Yeah, and and and, and, <laughs> and to have to have someone like that in your corner and yeah. ju- and just all that experience. At least be able to help you through it. To, to say the least. So with, with that said, I truly believe he has a good head on his shoulders. Similar yeah. to what Ian was just mentioned, you have to be ready to buckle down, uh, get in the quote unquote lab as much as possible and just, yeah. and just hone your craft. And uh, among all these, not only just incoming rookies, but all, but this entire uh, freshman class that that's declaring, he may be that guy that's going to prevail. I, I see him just a couple of quick comparison. Uh, Best case could be like a Devin Booker, mm-hmm. where you just get a pure shooter. Booker wasn't wasn't phenomenal at Kentucky. Granted, he was playing with with a yeah. ton of talent, but he, he he just hit he just he just found that that that, that right spot in the yep. league with his team. That's and, so yep, important, a hundred percent. Like because you can look at a player who just kind of disappears for three years, gets the right trade, right spot, and you're like, wait a minute, this guy's averaging eighteen. Like when did that happen? So important. And I truly believe a guy like Gary Trent, uh, it's going to work out well for him. And just, I don't want to say necessarily worst case, but you could say that he did have a disappointing rookie campaign. Uh, is is uh, Malik Monk, and it may just it may not have been the the right I fit know. for him. And I I don't I don't mean to bring up too many Kentucky and 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 no, Duke guys, but like there's so many. But those again, best case right off the bat could be eventually uh, Devin Booker, and then if it takes him a while, unfortunately, may may end up being like a Malik Monk. My guy in between there, and it's ironic because the name, the first person I think of when I think Gary Trent and what he has the potential to be is Gary Harris. Okay, yeah. Gary love Harris, it. love it. Like six four, so like he's he's only six, he's a little he's even he's shorter, smaller, than yeah. a little smaller, yeah. but he has a good shot. He can fit in. It took him a little. He wasn't complete. He wasn't the focus. Gary Harris wasn't the focus at Michigan. State. Nope, not of, at all. He had a lot of pieces a lot around, of him, around him, and he kind of slid in. And I can see after year two and year three, fit in that role. I mean, Gary Harris, I was looking at numbers, averaged like seventeen points a game this year. Not saying Gary Trent Jr. is going to do that, but I think. He showed at times this season. He, he was, was like guard, the Boston man. College game too, where he was just oh, firing. Yeah. And then he, he, he put like, and he, if you can be a if you can be a three and D, three and guard, D. That's like, it. That's what that, I see. That is like you see that so much now. It's like this guy profiles a three and D because that's exactly what so many guys are looking for because mm-hmm. that's what the games evolved into. Yeah. So if you can space the floor and knock down shots, you'll you'll play. I'm you know what I'm like even back in that, to just like, it's easy to compare to Duke, but like if Reddick can find the home mm-hmm. for twelve years, yeah. And, like, he was, like, a defensive liability. That was all they said. Mm-hmm. Not going to be able to get by guys. Can't play any defense. Small shooting mm-hmm. guard. And he's he pay, he's earning $20 million for one year. It's He'll find a spot. I, okay. I agree with you. Um, any other sleepers? Yes. Uh, again, uh, for better or worse, another first-round uh, projected guy sticking in the ACC, but, but Lonnie Walker. Yes. And uh, I, I may be a little biased just because I had the, the – the, I was fortunate enough to, to see him as uh, as an eighth grader playing over at uh, Tillery Park in, in downtown Brooklyn. Wow. And right away, you could just tell that there was something special about this kid. And uh, to follow him throughout his high school career at Reading, PA, where He's he... From Re- Shout out to Taylor. Yeah, right. My yeah, buddy, right. my college roommate grew up in Reading. Uh, <laughs> and uh, breaking uh, the great Daniel Marshall scoring records and, and just winning a ton of games. And, and of course... Uh, Miami didn't have the year that they were expecting, uh, knocked out and part of that Cinderella run by Loyola Chicago. But a guy like, like yep, uh, a guy like Lonnie Walker, he's athletic enough, he's skilled enough, he's mature enough, even as a freshman. That again, if he if the if the right team, and I believe that there are a few, but if the right team selects him, he's going to be one of those hidden gems that will sneak past the lottery and and be effective. Right now, uh, NBA Draft Net has him at fourteen, going to Denver. 
Love it. Um, so I, I don't I don't hate that setup for him. Absolutely. I mean, and we're looking. We're you know just just talking about Gary Harris. Who best to? I mean, shoot. And it may seem like Will Barton is walking this year. Yeah. He just he just. Uh, walked away from a forty-plus million-dollar contract. Unfortunately, they they didn't make the playoffs, and you know he had a shot to, yeah. to win it for them at the end. But uh, if you're looking for a Will Barton re- replacement guy with a few more pounds on him, and uh, and obviously a few years younger, Lonnie Walker may certainly be that be that guy. Definitely. What do we think about Jalen Brunson? Uh, sometimes I get nervous, and I think he's going to be. Um What's his name from UNC? Kendall Marshall. Kendall Marshall ish, because he was like the like stocky mm-hmm. guard, really good in college. Or do we see him being like a beast, just like that guy who's like, like um, Jamal? Um, used to be on Orlando Magic. Jamal. Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson. Yeah. Like it. Like He's still which, in the league. Which, yeah, I know. Yeah. Like which end of the spectrum does he fall on? Like out. Like does, is Kendall still in the league? No. He's is, out. is he out? He's done. Or does he survive and find a home? You know, like. I don't know with him. I love him. As a as a basketball purist, I know you want him to succeed. You, and, and and you have to appreciate and admire everything he does on the court. Yeah. Because of his skill set, and I do have a thing for lefties just because they're they're a diamond dozen, and yep. they're just they're just a, a little a little bit uh, more sneaky. But anyway, uh, he he's terrific. But unfortunately, I have to lean toward toward the end that he's gonna he's gonna. It's not going to work out well for him. He's going to struggle. And as I mentioned before, it's it's really just coming down from a defensive liability standpoint. And uh, talking about JJ, who who can get away with with not having to to guard the best shoot two or three guys on the court um, as far as the backcourt guys. But uh, he's not a lights out shooter like yeah. like, like Redick is. And uh, but he he's absolutely terrific with the ball in his hands. But he's going to get smothered by a whole different level of defenders. From college basketball to, to the NBA, so uh, again, similar to, to uh, another or another guy that has uh, a father with NBA experience. Yeah, Rick, yeah, 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 he has him in his corner. He, he's he's well aware of, of that lifestyle, so that'll be an easier learning curve for uh, for for guy like Jalen Brunson than others. But size and skill set wise, um, I, I believe that that it may take him some some time to define his role in the NBA. My biggest thing with him is where he's projected to get picked and who a fit will be of who will pick him. Because right now, I'm saying Brooklyn, late, right? late, late first or early yeah. second. Ironically, because a lot of these teams have traded their yeah. picks away, the last, I mean, the last picks they have, obviously, of Celtics at 27 or Warriors at 28, but the Nets and Hawks right now are projected at 29th and 30th picks. Yeah, those are and those are teams picks. like, I don't want to yeah. throw Jalen Brunson in on the Nets. And have him try and play with D'Angelo yeah. Russell and try and mix that, even though, yeah. the, or the Hawks try and play with Dennis Schroeder. But if you say you put him on the Celtics and he's Kyrie's backup and he can mold into a role, then I think he has a better chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just it's going to be a fit thing. My ideal plan, I said, somebody in a pipe dream as a, a for the Knicks, if the Knicks could somehow give Jay Wright five years, 40 million, and then they Bring draft Macau Bridges for their first pick, and then, and then somehow move up a little bit higher and get, uh, get Jalen Brunson. Hey, that, that could work with the Knicks. That could work. But I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I like Brunson. I mean, I think that he's too good of a basketball player to not find a way for it to work. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. We're rooting for him. Absolutely. Um, all right, so you're the perfect guy to – ask this question and, and kind of talk about the whole process, but we talked about it a little bit before um, uh, we started recording, but the pre-draft mm-hmm. process. So, you know, if somebody um, decides to test the waters right now, 
what are their opportunities and where can they go beside in, including and besides the the combine absolutely well for for any underclassman that declares they're solely banking on having interest from NBA teams and hoping that those teams invite them for workouts among a slew of other players for 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 individuals for three-on-three competition, full-court drills. Uh, aside from that, there is a lack of a platform to promote these uh, draft-eligible underclassmen. And uh, as we mentioned, just speaking just before we, we hopped on, uh, you have the portion of the Invitational Tournament, which has been lasting for 60-plus years, showcasing the top men's college seniors throughout the country. Uh, I've now joined that uh, that platform, and for the past this will be the fifth year to, to, to again showcase local college seniors. Uh, but aside from the NBA Draft Combine, which is now hosting more and more uh, international guys, getting them or, or getting a better look at them before the draft, the, and it's ironic, the, the ratio between the guys that are declaring and, and the opportunities available for them, I mean, it's... It's, it's wild. Yep. It's like 200, 250 declare for it's 60 crazy. spots. It's like, man, crazy. don't you see the math? Yeah. I know you see the math. Like, and it, it's it's also unfortunate because, I mean, granted, there's no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with testing with testing no, the waters, yeah, but if you're not if you're not getting the feedback that, or if you're not if you're just not getting feedback, then what's the point? Yeah. And I truly don't see an opportunity for these guys after their college season, whether it's their freshman, sophomore, junior year, to to play or to uh, compete before. MBA decision makers, and it's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, you know, I think there's certain things that work out for the guys who are going to go anyway. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I mean, if if you're on the fringe, or I mean, we've had guys from, I mean, even below mid majors yeah. go out, and they've never been contacted by anybody. Maybe they're receiving some bad advice, and you're like, who just mm-hmm. who who yeah. who is this guy? And then you gotta look them up, and it's like, wh- what have we? Where are we at with this process? Get, it needs to be, a, I don't say a full overhaul, but the way that they've tweaked and adjusted rules has allowed for this to kind of culminate into what it is, where it's like, all right, it's the same with the transfer epidemic. It's like everyone's like, hey, I'm not necessarily leaving, but I want to put get my options out open. Well, if you're I know. Like, did that make it better? Like, remember, so, people applauded the move to give them more time. Yeah, exactly. Remember how short that window was? And so, and yeah, it was and like so they, they did. But, so now, in t- with that, I think it's the same with transfers. If you're going to widen that and give them the opportunities, I think the biggest thing then is allowing, okay, if you actually want these guys to get serious feedback, if you want them to have eyes on them that, granted or not, these front offices are being – as much as that, those guys in the second round and those free agent pickups will help, they're being judged. If they're a lottery team, if their lottery picks two out or three years don't pan out, then they're losing their job. Mm-hmm. So their biggest yeah. focus is on the front of that. Yep. But if you build a platform where those guys who are focusing on that can get eyes on these other guys, like events like, like this, it gives it a much more realistic opportunity for these guys. Yep. Because you can even look at a guy – and, and you know, it's one of my, my good friends, Maurice Endor. He played for the Knicks last year, came from Ohio U. He was a guy that you could talk – no one in the world would have put him on an NBA radar. And even him, like he got lucky that he had a fit and found a – and had good workouts and then made it with the summer league. Um, but he went completely undrafted. And he's the type of kid that like if he had done come out his junior year and had a platform to showcase that where he didn't really do that much at Ohio – he could have probably gone to a team and maybe a second round pick mm-hmm. and he could have made and could still be around. Like dude worked out and made, he was 
got a two-year deal with the Ma- Mavericks, had a two-year deal with the Knicks. He's playing overseas now, making good money. But, like, for him, he didn't leave early, even though he was going through another coaching change, just because he's like, it's too risky for yeah, me. Yeah. He's like, I'll play out my last year, get my degree, and figure it out then. But, like, it, more events, more events like this and more no opportunities, if they are there, if we're going to bend these roles or make these roles so these guys have the opportunity to do it, yeah, at, at least give them a platform yep. Yep. so we're not just throwing them out to the wolves. All right, Ray, it's on you, man. Figure it it's out. On you, man. I'm, I'm working on that. it. <laughs> I'm, trust no, me, that, trust me, trust me. I'm working on it. That's the, <laughs> so that, that leads perfectly into the next question is, like, future of Gotham, do you guys want to go to different cities? Mm-hmm. Do you um, envision more events leading up to it? What, what, are, your, uh, what are your grand you know, thoughts. Great question. Uh, I'd love to continue the, the Invitational. Uh, again, this Saturday at Holy Cross High School will be our fifth annual. We'll be hosting 36 of the top men's college basketball seniors from throughout the country. And we're fortunate enough that guys make the investment uh, on their own pro careers to, to come out to New York for even a day event to mm-hmm. play in front of decision makers. But uh, with that said, I mean, in January, we just hosted our inaugural uh, Gotham Hoops Classic where we hosted 17 boys uh, prep and post-grad teams from throughout the country as nice. well as teams coming down from the greater Toronto area. We had college coaches and NBA scouts in the gym evaluating our talent. And with with now the post-grad route yeah. becoming an option for, for some of these guys, it's vital that these these fifth-year student-athletes are now having the opportunity to play before NBA scouts. So if I can offer an opportunity for uh, fifth year post grad seniors in high school to, to be seen by NBA scouts, as well as uh, a platform for uh, men's college seniors, those undervalued diamonds in the roughs. Uh, then, then I'd be happy. But what I'd like to do is is build another platform for the guys that we were just mentioning the 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 plethora of draft eligible underclassmen that between the time of their uh, their last college game. And that draft combine, which we're all banking on getting an invite from, uh, there there isn't anything unless you have an invite to an NBA team workout. So it's something that I'd love to develop in the in the upcoming years. It'd be interesting too to like invite the best European leagues to come over and do their own thing. Like, all right, you do a New York, Chicago, LA, Texas, you know, San wherever. Yeah. Um, you run it, yeah. but come here. You know what I mean? And work out all these Americans that you're not necessarily seeing. You're watching a bunch of mm-hmm. film on. You know, and then you're not sure what you're getting. Uh, 100%. That'd be a good idea, too. To, to, to say the least, I mean, granted, we're, we're fortunate enough to be in New York, the, the mecca yeah, of basketball. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, to, to really harp on that, I, I'd love to expand nationally. That's the goal. I mean, I, I recognize I'm only, to, I'm only able to, to pull a certain amount of talent uh, because of where we're located. Again, granted, we do have a few guys that, that pay their own way to travel into, into the area each year. But, again, if we brought it to Chicago, Texas, uh, LA and mm-hmm. somewhere in Florida or even uh, in the middle of the country in Kansas, we'd, we'd, we'd be able to, to showcase even more talent. So uh, that's the plan. I mean, we've been in, we've had brief conversations with some professional leagues to host their showcases similar to what you were just mentioning, nice. but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, and I, but I do see that as the, as the wave of the future for sure. Gotcha. Um, all right, so where can these guys find you? Website, social media stuff, um, and we'll start start plugging it up. Absolutely. Uh, everything can be found uh, at Gotham Hoops on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, as well as just GothamHoops.com. Uh, my email is Ray, R-A-Y, at GothamHoops.com. Feel free to, to, to shoot me a, a note anytime. And uh, yeah, 
that's really where we can find me. All right, awesome. Well, we will uh, we'll be sending this out. I actually got to send it out to a couple of guys that I think will be there. Um, but Ray, appreciate it, man. Good luck Saturday. Thank you, I'll guys. be there. Really appreciate you coming on. This is uh, this is great. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Had a great time. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors were closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rust, souls up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.